0: Hello and welcome to Five at Eight. I'm Mark Overman and joining me today is Linda Carlisle. It's Monday, May 29th, 2023, and we have some great stories for you. In this episode, we'll talk about China's domestically produced passenger jet completing its maiden commercial flight, China sending its first civilian astronaut into space, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan winning re-election. U.S. prosecutors seeking fines on top of prison sentences to recoup donations made to capital rioters and militias burning villages to the ground in Sudan's West Darfur region. Story number one. In a report from Al Jazeera, China's first domestically produced passenger jet, the C-919, has completed its maiden commercial flight from Shanghai to Beijing. The plane, produced by state-backed Commercial Aviation Corps of China, COMAC, is seen as a challenge to foreign models such as the Boeing 737 MAX and the Airbus A320. The C919 relies heavily on Western components, including engines and avionics from firms such as General Electric, Safran, and Honeywell. Although most of its orders are letters of intent from domestic customers, COMAC has taken around 1,200 orders for the C919. The C-919's maiden commercial flight is a huge step for China's aviation industry, don't you think? They're really trying to give Boeing and Airbus a run for their money.
1: Definitely, Mark. It's a significant achievement for China, especially considering that this is their first domestically produced passenger jet. It's a clear indication of China's push for technological self-sufficiency and a challenge to the Western aviation giants.
0: Absolutely, and it's not just about national pride, but also about reducing their reliance on foreign technology. However, it's important to note that many of the C-919's parts are still sourced from abroad, like from General Electric and Safran.
1: That's true, but it's still a major accomplishment. I can't help but think of the historical parallels, like when Japan's automotive industry entered the global market and eventually became a major player challenging established American and European car manufacturers.
0: Great point, Linda, but the real question is, will the international market be receptive to the C-919? European and U.S. regulators haven't authorized its use yet, which could limit its reach.
1: That's a valid concern, Mark, but it's worth noting that the C-919's predecessor, the ARJ-21, is already being used in Indonesia. This suggests that there might be a market for the C-919 in the developing world, even if Western countries are initially hesitant to adopt it.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. One thing's for sure, though. With this move, China is signaling its intention to be a major player in the global aviation industry, and it's not something that can be ignored.
1: Absolutely, Mark. It's a testament to their determination and the potential for innovation in the face of competition. Time will tell how successful they'll be in this endeavor, but for now, it's a noteworthy milestone for China and the global aviation industry.
0: Story number two. According to Al Jazeera, China will send its first civilian astronaut, Gi Haichao, into space as part of a three-person mission to the Tiangong Space Station on Tuesday. Until now, all Chinese astronauts sent into space have been members of the People's Liberation Army. Gui, a payload expert and professor at Beijing University of Aeronautics and Astronautics, will be responsible for the on-orbit operation of space science experimental payloads. The Tiangong Space Station was completed last year and will be constantly crewed by rotating teams of three astronauts who will conduct scientific experiments and help test new technologies. It's pretty amazing that China is sending their first civilian astronaut, Gui Haichao, to the Tiangong Space Station. It's like a new chapter in their space program, don't you think?
1: Yes, I agree. It certainly marks a shift in the perception of space exploration, moving away from a strictly military approach to a more inclusive one. This could potentially pave the way for more collaboration between countries on space missions.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look at the U.S. and Russia. They've had civilian astronauts for quite a while now. It's about time China joined the club, and it's a great opportunity for their experts to contribute their knowledge and skills to the space program.
1: That's true. And with China's growing investment in their space program, it's essential to harness the expertise of civilians like Gui Haichao. It also sends a message that space exploration is not just about military power, but about scientific discovery and international cooperation.
0: You hit the nail on the head, Linda. And you know... It's interesting to think about how this could impact China's potential involvement with the International Space Station. They've been excluded since 2011, but maybe this shift towards civilian astronauts could open up some doors for collaboration.
1: It's certainly a possibility. As space exploration becomes more complex and interconnected, it's important for countries to work together and share their knowledge. This development in China's space program could be a step towards fostering that spirit of global cooperation.
0: Definitely. I mean, space is the final frontier, right? We all have a stake in exploring and understanding it, so it's crucial that we find ways to work together. Here's to hoping that Gui Chao's mission is just the beginning of a new era of international collaboration in space exploration.
1: Well said, Mark. It's an exciting time for space exploration, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this new era unfolds.
0: Story number three. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has won re-election after receiving 52.14% of votes in the second round, according to the country's Supreme Election Council, as reported by Al Jazeera. Erdogan had failed to secure more than 50% of votes required for an outright victory in the first round on the 14th of May. The result extends his 20-year rule for a further five years. Erdogan has promised to tackle inflation and rebuild areas destroyed by earthquakes. The campaign took on an increasingly nationalist tone, with the opposition in particular promising to force Syrians and other refugee populations to leave. Well, Linda, Erdogan's re-election in Turkey certainly solidifies his long-standing rule. It's impressive, but at the same time, I can't help but feel uneasy about one person holding power for such a long time. What do you think?
1: I share your concerns, Mark. Mark. While long-term leadership can provide stability and a clear direction for a country, it can also stifle opposition and hinder democratic processes. We've seen this in other cases, like Putin in Russia and Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore.
0: Exactly. And it's not just about the leader themselves, but also the potential for a cult of personality to develop around them. That can make it difficult for any opposition to gain traction, you know?
1: Yes. And it's important to consider the role of opposition in a healthy democracy. In Erdogan's case, his challenger, Kilik Daroglu, faced a tough campaign and has vowed to continue his struggle for democracy. But with Erdogan's grip on power, it's hard to say how much of an impact the opposition can make.
0: Definitely. And I mean, let's not forget that long-term leaders can sometimes become complacent or even corrupt. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Erdogan, but it's something to keep an eye on as his rule continues.
1: Absolutely, Mark. While there are examples of long-term leaders who have positively impacted their countries, it's crucial for the citizens and the international community to remain vigilant and hold these leaders accountable for their actions and decisions.
0: Story number four. U.S. prosecutors are seeking fines on top of prison sentences to recoup donations made to Capitol rioters, as reported by The Guardian. The government is trying to prevent rioters from profiting from participating in the attack on the Capitol in January 2021. Prosecutors are increasingly asking judges to impose fines to offset donations from supporters of the rioters. Dozens of defendants have set up online fundraising appeals for legal fees, and prosecutors have questioned where the money is going, as many of those charged have had government-funded legal representation. The Justice Department has sought over $390,000 in fines against at least 21 riot defendants this year, and judges have imposed at least $124,127 in fines against 33 riot defendants this year. Man, this whole situation with the January 6th rioters profiting from their actions is just wild. I mean, they're raking in donations from supporters, and the Justice Department is trying to claw back that money. What do you make of this, Linda?
1: It's certainly a complex issue, Mark. On one hand, people have the right to fundraise for legal fees. But on the other hand, it raises ethical questions about profiting from criminal activities or controversial events. The government is trying to ensure that these individuals don't benefit financially from their actions during the Capitol riots. Yeah, I get that.
0: But you know, it's kind of crazy that some of these folks are still seen as heroes by a portion of the population. They're even being called political prisoners on some crowdfunding sites.
1: That's true, and it highlights the impact of political narratives on public opinion. Some people still believe that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump, and they view these rioters as justified in their actions. It's important to remember, though, that many of them have pleaded guilty and are cooperating with prosecutors.
0: Right, right. So, what about the role of these crowdfunding platforms? I mean, should they be held responsible for enabling these fundraisers?
1: It's a difficult question, Mark. Platforms like GiveSendGo, which is popular among January sixth defendants, may argue that they're simply providing a service and not endorsing the actions of these individuals. However, There's an argument to be made that they have a responsibility to ensure that their platform isn't used to enable people to profit from criminal activities or controversial events.
0: I see what you're saying. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, huh? So, have there been any historical cases or other incidents where people tried to capitalize on their notoriety like this?
1: yes there have been instances in the past where individuals involved in controversial or criminal events have sought to profit from their actions either through book deals interviews or other means authorities have often taken measures to prevent this such as seizing profits or imposing fines the key here is striking a balance between individual rights and the need to prevent financial gain from harmful actions
0: story number five according to the bbc Militias have burned villages to the ground in Sudan's West Darfur region, causing a humanitarian catastrophe with many left without basic necessities. While there has been a lull in violence around the capital due to a ceasefire, fighting has continued in Darfur, with a village in South Darfur completely destroyed by fire. The regional capital, Nayala, has also suffered from sporadic blackouts and limited communication. Aid agencies have called for urgent action to address the crisis. This situation in Sudan's Darfur region is absolutely heartbreaking, Linda. Entire villages burned to the ground, and people left without access to food, clean water, or medicine. It's a humanitarian catastrophe, and it's infuriating to see that these armed militias are targeting vital infrastructure like hospitals, schools, and markets.
1: It truly is devastating, Mark. The destruction of infrastructure in conflicts like these has a ripple effect on the lives of civilians, leaving them vulnerable, and in dire need of help. It's not just the immediate impact of losing their homes and livelihoods, but also the long-term consequences of being deprived of healthcare and education.
0: Exactly. And it's not just in Sudan. We've seen this happen in other conflicts across the globe. It's like these militias don't care about the collateral damage they cause, and innocent civilians end up paying the price. Something's got to be done to hold these groups accountable and protect the people caught in the crossfire.
1: I agree that accountability is crucial, Mark, but I think it's also important to address the root causes of these conflicts. Many times, these armed groups are driven by deep-seated grievances and inequalities. Addressing those underlying issues could help prevent the escalation of violence and the destruction of infrastructure in the first place.
0: That's a valid point, Linda, but it doesn't excuse the actions of these militias. There's no justification for targeting essential infrastructure and causing such immense suffering for civilians. The international community needs to step up and put pressure on these groups to cease their destructive actions and work towards a peaceful resolution.
1: Yes, Mark, the international community does have a role to play in promoting peace and supporting humanitarian efforts, but it's also essential to recognize and address the complex dynamics at play in these conflicts. Only by understanding and addressing the root causes can we hope to prevent such tragedies from happening again.
0: That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow.
1: Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.